marrom. Oh, there we go. He never fails. We'll worship him. He'll show up. Hallelujah. God bless you. What a presence in this place. It looks like the time we had last weekend continuing on. What a weekend we had last weekend in our, in our freedom encounter. People were set free of bondages. They were filled with God's Holy Spirit, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Sunday morning we baptized 10. It don't get any better than that unless we can double it. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I thank God for what he's doing. Well, praise the Lord. Today is what traditional Christianity calls Palm Sunday, which remembers the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So I titled the message today, The Time of Visitation. It's a scene all four, you know, the Gospels, they don't all record everything. But this particular scene, all four of the Gospel writers recorded this. And uh, this event took place before Resurrection Sunday, which we will be recognizing uh, next week. Uh, but I want us to read this story in Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 29. It says, As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the coat? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I'll tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. A remarkable aspect here of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is the fact that he rode in on a donkey. This was quite different. Every time else, Jesus visited Jerusalem many times, but he always walked. This is the only time, I think, in the scriptures 
where we find Jesus riding on anything. But this time is the only instance in the scripture where Jesus was not walking into Jerusalem, but he was riding on a donkey. In verse 29, we read that Jesus instructed his disciples to go into a village ahead of him and find a colt, untie it, and bring it to me, he said. And if anybody asks you anything, why are you untying the colt? Just tell them the Lord needs it. I think about that. It's like somebody taking your car. And you say, hey, what's going on here? You know, the Lord has needed this thing. Well, that's just about the way it was. So why did the Lord really need a colt to enter Jerusalem at this time? He didn't need it the other times he went into Jerusalem, but he needed it this time. Jesus needed the colt in order to demonstrate to the people in Jerusalem that he's the Messiah. A lot of times he came in, he was just a man of God, a, a prophet or a teacher, but this time he rode in on the donkey because he was to fulfill a prophecy, a biblical prophecy of the prophet Zechariah, which took place 500 years before Jesus even arrived. Think about that now. You want to know if the Bible is really true or not. This was written 500 years before Jesus actually uh, came to the earth because he would fulfill that particular prophecy. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah's message, and I, and I read that whole book this week, his whole message was on repentance, bringing the people of Israel back to the Lord. It, the whole book was on repenting. And, but in Zechariah 1.4, he tells the people, Do not be like your forefathers, to whom the earlier prophets proclaim that this is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. So Zechariah called the people to repentance. But he also prophesied a future event was when the Messiah, the promised king, would appear to them. And this is the prophecy that Jesus would fulfill. Remember, this is 500 years prior his birth. Zechariah said this in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. So Jesus demonstrated to the people that Zechariah's prophecy that they should have known was about him. By riding on a colt instead of walking as usual, he demonstrated to the Jews, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, that should have known that verse of Scripture that Zechariah wrote concerning their king that they've been waiting for was going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. That's why. The only reason why. So there was a great significance in Jesus riding into Jerusalem 
on a colt to prove who he was. Zechariah had prophesied that this coming king would speak peace to the nations. In Zechariah 9.10, he said he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. But Zechariah said the Lord also says he himself will set your prisoners free. What a description of all that Jesus was going to do when he came. In verse 11 of chapter 9, he says, As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Look, look what he talked about. The blood of my covenant. Jesus, on the night he was portrayed, took bread, he broke it. He said, drink this cup, because this cup is the, the, my blood in the new covenant. See, so even 500 years prior, God was telling the people what kind of covenant that this king, who was going to ride in on a donkey, was going to make to them. But the Lord said he would also protect them and save them. Look at Zechariah 9, 15 and 16. It says, And the Lord Almighty shall shield them. Don't you like to be shielded from the stuff that's going on in this world today? They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people they will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. I want to tell you something. Every born-again believer that's full of God's Holy Spirit is like a sparkle in the land. Wherever you are in your world, you ought to be lighting that place up. <laughs> you hear what I'm telling you? You ought to be lighting your world up because of the God that lives inside of you. So the people began to spread their cloaks on the road and others spread Leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. John Gospels said they were palm branches that they were laying out. Luke writes, and those who went before and those who followed were shouting. In Luke 19, 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now the people understood this. The people that were shouting understood that Jesus was claiming to be the coming king, the Messiah. Especially when they began to spray their cloaks on the road, the palm branches and everything. They were acknowledging his kingdom and they were ready to submit themselves to him because they were proclaiming him as king. Now Matthew's gospel recorded them saying this in Matthew 21, 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were shouting Hosanna. Hosanna means literally, save us please. Save us please. Save us please. We need to be saved. Now, when they shouted Hosanna, that's what they were saying. And their blessing was recognition of who he was and what he was doing. They understood that this guy was different. But what was really happening there? 
And I wish I was able to tell you that, that it was all good and they all lived happily ever after. No, they didn't. I can't. Five days after this, this triumphal entry, this big celebration, this big hullabaloo going on here, them crying out Hosanna and all of that, this very same crowd that was shouting Hosanna, save us please, is now shouting crucify him. Crucify him. The very same crowd, wasn't a different crowd, it was the same crowd. So the question we got to ask ourselves, what in the world happened? What was the change between them shouting Hosanna to crucify him? How did the crowd go from that? Just in five days, it was all over with. The crowd that was shouting Hosanna is now shouting crucify him. Well, you see, they came out to meeting because some of those people actually saw and heard some of the things that Jesus did. The one especially was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. They said, we got to see this guy. He calls the dead back to life. We have to see this guy. The crowd gathered. They wanted to see Jesus. They also wanted to see Lazarus, the one who he raised from the dead. They heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took the branches, the palm trees. They shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So what did the crowd think was happening at that time? The crowd wanted Jesus to become king. That's what they wanted. They wanted the king. And they were willing to do it by force because John tells us, in his gospel, chapter 6, verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The, the crowd wanted him to fulfill Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, which says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. The problem was with that is that they wanted him to do this, which Isaiah wrote about, their way. They wanted him to do Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, their way. Specifically, they wanted him to proclaim the good news to the poor, that is, to those who didn't have any money, like the prosperity preachers are preaching today. You come to Jesus, he's going to make you rich. That's what they thought. See, that's what they thought. Man, he's going to make us rich. Why? Because he's going to proclaim the good news to the poor. They thought, wait, we're all going to be rich now. Then they said he's going to proclaim liberty to those who are held captive in the Roman prison. Said he couldn't have set the prisoners free. They thought he was going to open all the prison doors like the Democrats are trying to do today, let all the prisoners out. 
and they want to let them all out in the street. That's what they thought was going to happen. And then they thought to proclaim recovery for the blind. They thought the physical blind was those who were going to see, but, but that's not what it was for. Then he said he was going to proclaim liberty to those who were oppressed. They said the, the Roman government is oppressing us. They thought that he was going to bring release from the government. We need some relief from our government today. But they wanted the year of the Lord's favor to be Jesus sitting in Jerusalem on David's throne, having defeated the Roman government. But what was really happening there? Jesus was not going into Jerusalem to sit on a throne. He was going there to hang on a cross. Crucified. Making atonement for the sins of the world. See, Jesus would fulfill Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. But not as the Jews thought. See, Jesus came to proclaim the good news to the poor in spirit. People were poor in spirit. They needed to know there was a God that could save them. That's what. But he proclaimed liberty to those who were prisoners, but not prisoners behind bars, but prisoners to sin. Those who were held captive to sin. Then he was going to proclaim uh, recovery of the sight of the blind, but spiritually blind. He did that. He did the physical blind too. But he had to open the eyes of those who were blind to their sin. See, the world out there is blind to their sin. They don't see the condition that they're in. Then they, he was going to proclaim liberty to those who are oppressed. Not by the government. Listen, I've been in foreign countries. I preach the gospel in foreign countries all over the world. Those people were oppressed by their government. But they were not oppressed people because Jesus Christ set them free. It wasn't the government that was going to set them free. It was Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you, I don't care how bad our government gets, and it's getting bad, but I'm telling you this, I'm not oppressed. <laughs> you're not oppressed if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what those people do. I'm still free. And he was going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the forgiveness of sins and receiving mercy and grace that's going to come to us. So what really happened to have them go from shouting Hosanna to crucify him? See, they had the wrong concept of Jesus, just like people today. They got people that they say, oh, oh I, 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 I've been in church for five years, but I ain't doing that no more. Well, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> you didn't know the real Christ. <laughs> you, 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 you had the wrong concept of who Jesus really is. It was the religious leaders that told Jesus to tell the people to stop singing and shouting Hosanna to the king. But Jesus said, I'll tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. See, there are churches today that, that frown upon people getting excited about worshiping the Lord. I want to tell you, it ain't going to happen here. 
<laughs> the rocks in that driveway out there is not going to be shouting louder than we're going to be shouting. It ain't going to happen. They're reminding me of King David when he was in the Old Testament bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He was shouting. He was praising God. He took off his, his kingly robe and he was dancing before the Lord. And his wife, Macau, saw him. And when he got in the house, he says, you made a fool of yourself. You took off your, your, your kingly robes and everything. You're dancing before the common people. You were so undignified. He said, woman, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you think I, you haven't seen anything. Wait till that ark gets back where it needs to be. You're going to see some, some dancing. You're going to see some uh, uh, undignifying moves that I'm going to make. <laughs> Much of religion today keeps people from the truth who Jesus really is and why he came we see Jesus riding on his donkey from the Mount of Olives. And that, that, there was a road on the Mount of Olives that when it turned around, you could see the city of Jerusalem. And this is what the scripture says in Luke 19, 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and helm you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This passage is full of prophecy and it's full of compassion. The prediction of Jerusalem's terrible fate that was going to happen to it and a compassion of our Lord for the people doomed to utter destruction. The truth of this scripture also demonstrated in this passage the truth that the scripture is God's word and everything that is prophesied in it is going to come to pass going to come to pass. Just like Zechariah, 500 years before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, happened. What Jesus said was going to happen to Jerusalem, it happened. You see, there's also the truth that sin dooms a nation. A nation is made up of people. But sin will destroy a nation. And, and I'm going to tell you something. America is in a tipping point right now. We're in a tipping point. We'll go one way or the other. Either going to have to have revival here or judgment's coming on this place. But the Bible says, but righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness will exalt the nation. That's how this nation got to be where it was, the greatest nation on the face of the earth. It still is, even with our faults, with the greatest thing going because we were founded on God's word and God's principles on life. But we see the great love of Jesus for the city of Jerusalem and 
verse 41, he says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. See, if anybody in the world should have recognized who Jesus was, it had to be these people in Jerusalem. They were always waiting for the Messiah to show up. There's always, you know, teaching. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He came and they missed him. The Jewish leaders had the Scriptures. They knew it. They bragged on how much they knew the Word of God, but they missed it, especially him riding in on a donkey. But the terrible fate of the city in Jerusalem was foretold in prophecy. Jesus said, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and helm you in on every side. They're going to dash you to the ground. You and your children within it, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This actually took place 37 years after. Just 37 years it happened. In 70 AD, the Roman government came in, destroyed the city, killed everybody. Killed everybody. Women, children, everybody. This is worse than what you're seeing happening in Ukraine today. They leveled the whole city. Not one stone was left upon the other. But what was the cause? What was the cause of it? Well, Jesus said, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See, that disaster took place because God came and you didn't recognize it. You didn't recognize that he was coming to you. And the New King James Version said, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wept over the city and he said, if you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Because they didn't recognize the coming and rebelled against his teaching, they rebelled against him. He prophesied what was going to happen. Not only were they rebellious towards the Lord, they were rebellious people. They rebelled against the Roman government. That's why the Roman government had enough of them and just came in and wiped them out. But Jesus says they're going to level you and your children within your walls to the ground. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. The Messiah had come to seek and save that which was lost. That's why he came. But they refused to recognize that they was lost. They refused to see God's glory in Jesus or give God the glory for all the things that he was doing. He was healing people, delivering people. He was doing all that, but they would not give God the glory. See, our relationship with Jesus Christ not only affects our lives, but our children too. See, Jerusalem got leveled. The people, their children, everybody got leveled because Jesus said they didn't recognize the time of his visitation. They lost their temple that they prized. 
The temple was down. The city was down. All the architecture in Jerusalem was leveled out. Not one stone was left upon another. Why? Because they didn't recognize the time of their visitation. Let me tell you this. Every time somebody hears the gospel message preached and they understand it, that's the time of your visitation. See, when the gospel message is preached under the anointing, not the, not the, 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 the skill of the preacher, I'm talking about the anointing of God's Holy Spirit <laughs> confirming the word that is preached. When that happens, that's the time of your visitation. See, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but he ended up on the cross of Calvary to die. That's not what they wanted, but that was God's plan. See, that's not what they wanted. They wanted an earthly king, but they rejected the heavenly king. See, that was the time of visitation for them. So whenever the gospel message is preached with an anointing and you hear it and God reveals it to you because you can't understand it unless God reveals it to you, that's your time that God is visiting you. I remember that time over 50 years ago. I remembered it. I remembered it. Never forget it. See, that was the time of my visitation. God says, here I am. This is what I've done. My blood was shed for you. You want your sins forgiven? You want all the guilt and the shame and remorse of your life taken away? I got it. See, the thing is, how we receive his visitation will determine our future just as it did for Jerusalem. Jesus said, because you missed it, this is what's coming. It depends on what we do with the visitation determines what our future, not only here on earth is going to be, but what it's going to be in eternity. So if you're here today, and you've never confessed Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, this is God's time of visitation for you. Don't pass it up. This is it. You heard it. Don't, don't pass it up. See, your decision today is going to determine your future. It's going to determine the future for you if you have children. It's going to determine their future and also your future in eternity. There's only two places you're going to be going. Heaven or hell. One or the other. And what you do with the visitation is going to determine where you're going. Stand with